Uh, hello, my name is uh, Chris Holt. I'm the CEO of CHC Global, and welcome to the next in our Malicious Bytes series. I, I think this is number five. Uh, today, I'm joined by Ben Hawkins, who's one of the partners in our advisory business. Hi, Ben. Hello, Chris. Um, so look at this time of year when we're seeing uh, people book their travel, both on a business and personal perspective. Uh, I thought we could talk about uh, the hotel sector and specifically the luxury hotel sector where we're fortunate enough to work uh, with a number of organisations. Um, I've, I've personally been involved since 2008 in the tragic um, Mumbai incidents. And we're obviously coming out of a hugely impactful period uh, for these organisations with COVID and um, hotels being necessary for them to demonstrate that they're meeting their duty of care obligations. So, Ben, as you, as you speak to our clients, uh, what are you finding the guest expectations are uh, for safety and security as we move into 2023? Thanks. I think we're hearing that guests are expecting to to feel safe and know that they're safe whilst they're on the resort and in the properties, uh, particularly in terms of into of COVID safety and security, mm -hmm. as well as more general health concerns. They're also really clear that they'd like to know that if something is going to happen, then it will be solved effectively and that will be managed around them and that there is an effective response to any uh, of the issues that may arise whilst they're on the resort. Mm -hmm. They also, of course, are really keen to understand what is going on. So getting the right information at the right time to the right audience is hugely important to the the users of, of the properties, but also to our clients who are seeking to provide the information. And I, and I think, you know, interesting locations often uh, have a different risk exposure. And particularly, as you say, if, if people, um, guests are seeking new experiences, for example, going away from property, then what you can get is is that uh you know a very different risk environment for a guest particularly in those more interesting and exotic locations uh and they want to know uh not just feel safe but they want to know that they're safe and that everything goes um wrong which obviously occasionally it does do that there's a, a sensible plan there okay from a moving from a guest expectation i think we find this sector particularly interesting certainly I, i've I found it's presented uh, genuinely fascinating professional challenges over the last few years. Do you, do you mind just talking and explaining a little bit why, as a team, you, and I know you you enjoy uh, working in this sector. Why is why is this sector present such an interesting challenge vis-a-vis um, -vis security? So, to me, a hotel is a microcosm of of the whole of society. So, if anything happens in the world, it can effectively happen on a smaller scale in society. So, it brings an incredible breadth of security and safety challenges. First of all, when you arrive, there must be a natural tension imposed between the welcoming environment that our clients seek to give to their guests, but also to be able to provide uh, a deterrence to those who may be up to no good. Um, and, and that creative tension is, is prevalent throughout, enough to be reassuring, but not so as to impinge on the guest experience. Yeah, no, and I think these environments can present the most interesting uh, challenge. So, you know, you might have a threat vulnerability and risk assessment, a TVRA that we produce that that identifies, um, you know, what, whatever the relevant mitigations are for a, a, a property in that particular country. 
but as you say, there's then that tension, which is the easy solution to meet that that risk exposure would be to have you know high fences and guard dogs and lots of security people. But but by doing that, what you're not going to do is create a welcoming environment for a guest who, frankly, might want a break to go to a luxury location for some pampering and enriching experience. Um, you know, and they they don't want to see that kind of security. And I think to your point, this tension requires novel and innovative solutions that don't impact on that guest experience. No, no, or, or agreed entirely. So, look, we've—I know you, you and the team have been very busy. Um, in fact, I think you and the team. Go on, roughly, how many, how many of these locations have you had to be at this? So, we've been to twenty-three luxury hotel properties across ten different countries uh, in the last year. Okay, so I also know that the team's just just published the most recent malicious risk report, uh, and I would. I would definitely recommend that to people for a read. But as as we look at this sector going into 2023, what do you think the most um, what do you think the most relevant risks are uh, for this sector as as we move into what could be a bumpy year? So we're certainly very interested in protests and civil unrest. We're seeing lots of that increasing and potentially having an effect on the properties with which we work. There is a continuing threat from COVID and more generally around other health threats for which the world is now significantly more aware. There's a threat around information security for which the conduit would be cyber. We are now all used to sharing much more information more digitally and we require access to it more and more frequently. That potentially presents a vulnerability. And then on a global level, so raising out from those sort of tactical positions, there's much, there's quite a lot of instability and uh, uncertainty. So considerations uh, around repatriation must always be at the ve- at the back of the mind of our clients, but it must be in their thoughts and their plans. And so, yeah, I mean, we we got involved a little bit last year with uh, a couple of brands who were moving people from a couple of countries where guests wanted to leave. Which was fascinating, and of course, we—I've also been involved previously uh, doing that in the, the probably ill-named Arab Spring, where we ended up with a number of luxury hotel brands who were seeking to repatriate people away. Um, I just want to come to the the protest and civil unrest piece for a minute because I, I do think that it's it's a fascinating exposure and one which could become uh, really problematic, uh, particularly in uh, Western Europe, North America this year. So practically, what are the what are the kind of arrangements that we're seeing in place for organisations to be able to, to to address that that exposure? So I think on the sort of the tactical level, the teams are, are always keen on site to draw together their situational awareness, so to ensure that they can understand what's going on in a timely manner and to be able to communicate that to the guests. If push comes to shove, we're always then looking to see how there may be an opportunity to, to lock in um, our clients and lock out those uh, who would seek to do harm. And, and that kind of segregation is hugely important. So contingency plans around that is something that we we consider important to the sector. Yeah, okay, great. So look, just moving on briefly to the key trends as we see them, because I, I think it's a really interesting year in terms of um, developments in the, uh, the luxury end of the of the sector what, what what are you seeing when you're speaking to our client organizations in terms of key trends as we move into 2023 so we're seeing um people going further afield we're seeing larger groups potentially of multi-generational families so using the opportunity of the holiday to get together which they may not have had during the covid situation 
we're seeing an increasing uh, interest in residences and suites, potentially with more self-contained facilities um, and a requirement around seamless access to data and information throughout the whole of the property. And then finally, to travel in a sustainable and potentially ethical way and to understand that that the impact that the travel is having actually can be offset somehow or can be done in the most sustainable way. And I think that sustainability point we're seeing across across all aspects um, of this sector, you know, guests and guest expectation is that everything uh, quite reasonably is being delivered in a sustainable way. I just want to come back because I think that's a very interesting point around the the kind of family, the, the coalescing of that family issue, the group, the perhaps being in a residence and then that access to data which I think comes back to that cyber point, which is that, so it's information security addressed by cyber, but that, that point, which is that we're often finding in in these suites that we've got an individual who's there with a family, but perhaps is working using the hotel's electronic infrastructure to, to you know, deliver their work, whether that's connecting with a family office or connecting with a corporation. And that, that can present some interesting exposure which again, the guest expects quite reasonably that the property is delivering secure electronic infrastructure. Is that is that fair fair summary? No, absolutely right. And with the expansion and the evolution of technology, there are pushing the boundaries in every aspect. Let's not forget that potential adversaries do the same. So they'll be seeking vulnerabilities through new technology evolution. And we've been exceptionally lucky to work in with very forward-thinking clients who who are trying to get ahead of the game, and we're able to advise them appropriately. Okay, so given those um, key trends uh, that that we see manifesting this year, if you were a, in a corporate headquarters of a, a luxury hotel brand and a vice president of operations or a, a vice president of security, what what would you be what would you be asking your team in the the start of your meetings now? So I'd be asking about when they last rehearsed any of the the myriad of crisis management plans that they had. I'd be asking, do we have a robust plan? for undertaking a lockdown of the property itself? And then how are we enacting reviews of our policies and procedures appertaining to all of the crisis management plans and our lockdown plans? How's that review ongoing? And that would be hugely important to understand the currency and the relevance of those policies from normally from corporate headquarters and then how they're actually impacted out on the ground tactically by the team in the hotels and properties. So almost a kind of a drains up on the governance arrangements would be a wouldn't be a bad if you were a like I say a VP security or a VP ops is exactly what are our what are our what are our governance arrangements looks like and then if we were to come down to the more kind of property level if you were a a GM of a a, a luxury uh, hotel what what would be the either what you ask your you know your internal team or or even what are the questions that you might ask back up to corporate corporate at the moment. So I'd be really keen to understand the threat and risk information feeds that I had. So the the overall picture and the context of the threats. And then um, at a slightly more tactical level, within my team, I'd be looking at how we could integrate, you know, the cyber threats with continuity management, safety and security, because these are large complex organization with with stovepipes of, of, uh, of organization where there are boundaries they need to be managed effectively so by trying to address those and make a seamless plan that can Mm. integrate all of those lines could be hugely beneficial and mutually supporting all for the client experience no and i think that's that bringing together of all the stakeholders involved in risk management is, is is something that isn't we don't just see in this sector we see it 
frankly, across almost everyone we work with. And given the uncertainty and, and potential volatility in the risk environment, I think, you know, and, and a thing that brings together, whether it's, as you say, information security and cyber people or safety and security people and or resilience, and if I'm honest, also, you know, enterprise risk management or insurance stakeholders, and I think that, that ensures that those individuals are chatting to each other, for example, have a shared view of what the risk register looks like, which which often isn't the case, I think is definitely um, well worth investing the time in. So just finally on, on the trends, so we've talked a bit about kind of key trends for the sector. We've talked about what what you might be asking your team if you were a, you know, either a BP security or a, a general manager. One of the things that I, I mentioned to you when, when we were uh, talking about uh, this podcast was how we're seeing quite a lot of either finishing of refurbishment or new property opening. And I think there's probably been a concertina effect with COVID. There's, we're seeing a lot of that happen at the same time. And I know we've seen some consistent issues across brands. Um, when we've been to properties that are coming out of refurb or indeed with new openings. And I wonder if you just talk about some of those consistent issues that you've seen uh, over the last 12 months or so. Okay, so certainly in terms of openings, it's always advantageous to try and do as many rehearsals in advance of opening as possible. But there's also an additional consideration around extra layers of threat, vulnerability, and therefore potentially risk at the end of a refurbishment. There'll often be members of the construction staff undertaking final aspects of snagging, these people aren't necessarily going to be going through the same kind of um, vetting that they might do ordinarily. Concurrently, the property will, of course, be concerned about getting up to speed, and there may be areas of the property that are accessible and totally usable, so we could start getting our first influx of guests. We might then find also perhaps that security, which perhaps up to now hasn't necessarily been prioritised, doesn't necessarily have all of the skills it might need. So we have these additional users who aren't necessarily part of our normal operating picture with a reduced security team, thereby bringing about some some risks to the the property. Yeah, no, and I think I think that kind of disconnect between a potentially increased risk environment around opening. You know, we've certainly seen, um, and I can think of one property in particular during during early stages of opening. You know, we were able to track let's say members of the criminal fraternity who wanted to come and get an early look at what 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 that environment looked like. You know, you get that disconnect between a potentially increased risk environment and perhaps the understandable focus on, you know, getting the, the F&B and the, um, you know, reception and concierge people in first rather than the security team. And that that delta between the increased risk and the, the limitation on the security team can sometimes manifest in an unhelpful way during opening. And again, we you talked also about um, refurbishment. It's reasonable that there are refurbishments that go on in our pro- in the properties whilst they're still occupied. So my advice, having a you know a reasonable history in in the construction sector, is to try and segregate as much as is practical all of any kind of invasive work that goes on, because that has a significant effect potentially on the safety and potentially security of those staying in the resort and on the property. Yeah, no, really good point. So look, I, I think that's I think that's really interesting in terms of the the trends, and also this this issue around refurbs and new openings. Which, as I say, there's this kind of there seems to be this concertina effect, and we're seeing a lot of them at the moment. If we were to talk about best practice, you know, if a hotel or luxury brand was looking to review its 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 arrangements to meet its duty of care obligations, and I don't I don't want to get too listy, but you know, what what are the 
if you had a checklist, what what would be the things that you you look for when when you go and have that initial engagement with an organisation? So, so pretty much as with everything with threat, we have to start with understanding the context and, and often that will be at a portfolio level. So what are the relative risks? What understanding do you have and where are your exposures? We then also then look at the organisation itself in terms of what's the brand-wide expectation set? What governance do you have? What policy procedures do you have? How do you go about providing a safe and secure environment for your clients? And then what happens if you go wrong and, and what have you thought through what plans and policies exist and then in terms of governance so the, the sort of the checking on the terms of audit you'd look at what processes you have in terms of self-audit who's who's checking within the organization what perhaps is coming down from corporate level to more, a more local level and then what layers beyond that do you have for external validation of fresh set of eyes because the constant evolution of threat continues and having fresh sets of eyes can potentially reduce those and spot things that perhaps one has become comfortable with. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I mean, from my perspective, one of the consistent themes that I see with some of the organisations we work with that are really swept up is is that kind of simplicity between the relationship between those things you've just described. So, you know, and thinking of one in particular, you know, they they conduct their portfolio level threat and risk assessment, and they allocate each property with a you know kind of red, amber, green it's really clear whether you're a red amber or green property what the arrangements are expected you know for, for a general manager or an on-property director of security you know it's really clear what those expectations are there's a process that they have to, to kind of audit that and check that and there's also a really clear set of arrangements for inevitably when something happens on a property and there's a requirement for either an incident management or a crisis management plan that's also really well understood and i think it, if i were to make one observation it's the and actually, again, it's not just in this sector, but it's it's with other organisations we work with as well. If it's simple and it's it's well understood, it seems to work really well. Um, but, but as is often the case, achieving that simplicity and clarity is is often not an easy an easy process. Okay, so finally, look, we we've talked we talked a bit about the kind of threat and risk environment at the top of the call, and a bit about what you would be doing if you're a VP ops or VP security. Always useful to put you on the spot at the end. If uh, you know, if you could do one thing, if there was one, if you had a phone call now from a uh, somebody from a, a luxury brand, and they said, "What's the one thing I should be doing?" What would be top of your list of of things to to check or to go and look at uh, if you were that individual? So I think uh, with the situation in the world as it is, I'd be focusing on on civil unrest and having a look at what measures I had to provide and achieve situational awareness around my property and then to be able to lock it down uh, in extremists to to keep them on the outside and to keep my guests safe and secure on the inside. Perfect. Uh, good answer on a, uh, a um, an ambush question. Ben, thank you ever so much for your time. And thank you, um, thank you uh, for listening to uh, this, I think, fifth edition in our Malicious Bites podcast. Uh, I know, Ben, that you and your team are extremely busy Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Chris. And uh, I look forward to, to uh, the next edition of Malicious Bites.